1: I've been a member and supporter of Go Wild for over a year now. Man, how time flies. Their social media platform is For Hunters by Hunters. And if you followed me for any length of time, you know that I'm in the woods or on the water if I'm not working. And yes, some ask, do you work? Unfortunately, I do. It's a place that I post all of my trophies, no matter how big or small. (laughs) Mine, mostly small. I get tips, tricks, tactics, and advice from people who eat, breathe, and sleep the outdoors. I log all of my outdoor adventures, including the time spent listening to the best podcast in the land, The Journey, hosted by no other than yours truly. So when I need anything outdoors, I just log on to the Go Wild store, pick out what I need, And that's anything from hunting, fishing, camping, optics, outdoor wear, and yes, hound supplies. I'm proud to partner up with the Go Wild team. So let's get your journey started today here on Go Wild. All right, guys, the journey's on a road trip. We're up in Northern Virginia teaching one of our tactical tracking classes that we have stole from Jeff Shetler <laughs> amongst some other people we don't get an opportunity to come up here and teach um, in Southwest Virginia it's kind of like we're a little bit behind sometimes and we've asked to come up here and teach this and you know we're honored and blessed that we've had the opportunity to do that so this week I kind of was thinking about it just now as I was rambling through that, that the guy that's going to be on here is probably the person that has spent the most time with me traveling, teaching, going to seminars um, in my canine career. <clears throat> and like I said, we've been to a lot. We was cracking jokes here a minute ago, and I'm sure we'll tell you some some funnies along the way. But, I mean, we've been to hits. We've been to canine cop we have been to decoy school, like there's been a lot of traveling, and this is, like I said, I just now dawned on me that this this person's actually the one that's done the most traveling with me. So today I've got on one of my good friends, one of my training partners, one of the canine group guys, and yeah, so today I've got on Rob Stoltz from Radford City PD and he had to do this earlier so I'm gonna make him do it again so Rob just kind of introduce yourself tell everybody kind of who you are what you do and then we'll just get into this
0: well thanks a bunch Heath for inviting me on this is a, a bucket list item I can finally check off um not quite Theo Vaughn style but I'm excited to be on so I. Uh, started in K-9, as you know back around 2007 2008 um have been a handler with radford city police department since then so 15 16 years as a handler i'm currently working my third dog Um, as you know started out with a single purpose lab named jake Uh, jake kind of taught me a lot there in the beginning it was a good dog to start out with he uh he was trained, he knew what he was doing, and kind of showed me the ropes as we went. And uh, my second dog, Ruckus, uh, that, was, that was definitely an experience, um, <laughs> to say the least.
1: I still have Ruckus' um, imprints of his teeth in my tail. Yes, yes. Which y'all all laughed about, <laughs> and I did not think it was funny.
0: <laughs> I, yeah, I'll never forget that day. That was that was something else. It's on video. Yes, it is. And we should probably keep that hidden somewhere. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so we got to tell you, this, we'll tell the story. So in our infinite wisdom in learning how to run patrol dogs, we're at Virginia Tech, and we're working on vehicle bailout. So you pop the door, send the dog, And Jeff Barrett was up. So Jeff is from Hits Canine. Y'all had him, we've had him on here. And so I'm playing one, I'm playing decoy, and we decide to do two decoys. So the passenger jumps out and runs, which is i.e. me, and the driver jumps out and runs. The canine handler has to make the decision which one to send the dog on and then redirect the dog to the other one. So I don't remember who was the other decoy. Was it Jenkins? It may have been. I
0: I can't remember, but I definitely knew (laughs) that you were there.
1: (laughs) Yeah. So, anyway, Jenkins has got the bite suit on. And me, being the one that I am, said, I'll just take the sleeve. Now, this is the middle of summer. I've got shorts on, probably a sleeveless shirt, which we should never be training like that, but here we are. So, we do the little short pursuit up to one of the the sorority houses we bail out and run robbie sends ruckus ruckus goes and hits jenkins first then he calls him off and sends him to hit me so i'm running i turn i catch the dog all's good and jeff tells robbie to uh call the dog off well you know calling off is not an easy thing to do not at all (laughs) especially with ruckus (laughs) and so he starts trying to call him off and ruckus don't come and then robbie starts to apply pressure which that means that we started applying e to ruckus robbie did not me
0: so go on tell the story robbie Uh, so as as we were uh, applying some gentle stem to ruckus uh he decided to uh Redirect off the sleeve right onto his uh, behind, <laughs> <laughs>
1: and he did. He had a he had a mouthful of my ham, Uh-oh. and um, here I am screaming, "Get your dog off!" They're all laughing. They're bent. I mean, they're bent over laughing, like bent over, like taking videos, taking picture, and I'm just like, "Get your dog! Get your dog! Get your dog!" And finally, I don't even know how y'all got him off of me.
0: Well, there was a a point there, like, initially, it was your, the tone of your voice. <laughs> the,
1: the
0: higher pitched it got, the more serious I started to realize this had gotten. So um I, I think he finally decided uh, that he'd had enough, so did what he was told and came on back. Uh, but Ruckus, you know, when I think about Ruckus, Ruckus is one of those dogs that – in, in hindsight, if you're looking at it from a uh, practicality standpoint that you know, a career in law enforcement probably wasn't his strong suit. He would have much much better been suited for a military environment, uh, something of that sort. But I think we can all relate, and we have those dogs that have been in our lives that, although it it may not have been our favorite dog, um, we definitely learned the most from him, and he was kind of that for me. So we had a, we had a lot of struggles. There was a lot of blood, sweat, and tears involved, like literally. Um, but I, looking at it now, I don't think I would change it just because of how much I learned from him. Yeah. And we, and we all have
1: that hound, That it's the same thing that we, maybe we don't like some of the characteristics. You know, I talk about my ring dog all the time, how, first three years of his life give me such a headache that I wanted to sell him and knock a knot in his head but he ended up being one of my better
0: dogs so yeah I mean I think everybody can relate to that. Yeah he was he was definitely that for me and then so my my current dog that I handle now is uh, Jekyll. Uh, Jekyll's a Hanoverian hound. I uh, came from Jeff Shetler down at Georgia K9 and uh, you talk about some some shock as far as difference in breeds and, and handling dogs to go from, from a, you know, an apprehension dual purpose Malinois to a Hanover Hound was, was a big adjustment. Um, So I currently still handle him. He's getting up in age. He'll be eight uh, this coming year. So he's still ticking along and uh, we'll see how much longer he's got left. Gosh, he's that old already. Yep. Holy yep. cow. Yep, he'll be eight. I think you know. I, I as you get asked a lot when we're doing demos and and talking to the public, especially they ask about workability and you know how long what you know how long can we work a dog? And you know, it it definitely depends on the breed. Depends on you know what we're asking them to do. As you know, a lot of our apprehension dogs don't have the workability that a single purpose lab or pointer may have just because of what we're asking out of them uh, but i I feel like with his health and just the nature of the breed and how laid back he is that you know I feel like that we've still got some some good years ahead of us
1: well, even after the Running over?
0: Yeah, I think even after the <laughs> running over. Um yeah, he's 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 been through um, a, a couple couple things throughout his life so far, uh, but he's still ticking right along. So I was thinking
1: about this today too. Like the so when I started my canine career, we gotta tell this story. Um so when Maybe you guys don't even know how I started into canine. I know you know how I started into the hound world. So I had been running hounds since '94. That's when I got my first one. And um, 2003 got into law enforcement, <clears throat> and then July 2005, the director of public safety come to me. And we had such a narcotic problem in the town that I worked in, and I had been on we we had been on him about we need a dog, we need a dog, we need a dog. Every time we call one it's an hour it's an hour response time, or we can't get one, or we could do so much more with a dog and so um in June of o five, Director of Public Safety come to me and said, "Hey, you think you could find us a dog and Of course, I jumped all over that and said, "Yeah, I can so my brother in law was actually a canine handler uh he was on his second dog, maybe. Second dog, I don't remember. And so I called my brother-in-law up, and I'm like, hey, they want me to find a dog. You've got to help me out here. So he sent us to his vendor, and I went up and tested three labs. Um, two of them were yellow, and one of them was a black lab. And it's funny because I literally tested the dog that Robbie ended up with, Jake. And looking back on it now, I had no clue what I was doing none the only reason they picked me is because they knew i hunted like a freak and was around dogs all the time and you know i didn't know nothing i picked out the dog that i thought looked the best and he was a nice dog so the second the other dog that that i tested was a black lab and he ended up going to the county sheriff's office that worked with me I, i worked for the town and he went to the county The dog that Rob ended up with ended up going to another county town, and then Rob got the dog later. So I trained with a completely different training group, and it wasn't until later that I actually met Rob, and you were actually going through school with Ruckus and had a broke thumb. Yes. We were down Mm -hmm. at the Dublin Fire, whatever that place is there on the... They called it the Dog House. house. Yeah. Yeah. That was the first time I ever met you. I don't even remember. I was trying to think about this other day. I don't even remember how I ended up down there because I was still with the other training group.
0: You were. Yep.
1: And Marty or somebody had asked me or I don't Hoover, I don't remember who, but somebody had asked me to come down there. And i come down a couple of days just to watch and learn. Or maybe I even run my dog. I don't remember. But you were in a cast and really couldn't even do nothing. <laughs> yeah. And it's funny because ruckus broke your thumb. Yep. Pino broke my thumb uh, doing recalls. <clears throat>
0: <coughs> yeah, they they often say in our world that, you know, if you play with dogs, you're going to get bit. And it's it's a very, very accurate statement. Um, you know, you're talking about how, you know, you were tasked with the selection of a dog and, and really had no idea what you were doing. Well, I, you know, I was in that same boat, like our agency had had a canine unit, but it had, um, kind of went by the wayside in the early two thousands around 2001, 2002. So, uh, when I came in 2005, 2006, you know, it was something that initially in my law enforcement career, it, it really, it really wasn't something that was, you know, in the front of my mind as far as something that I wanted to do. But as I, you know, got some experience under my belt and about two years as, you know, just a road officer, I was like, you know what, I, 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 want, I want another challenge here and I want something to uh, kind of grow my career. And so the thought kind of crossed my mind, you know, we could really benefit. Uh, from having a canine so i approached our chief at the time and you know said this is something i would like to do um kind of presented him a plan about you know a a method to obtain a dog and it just so happened that you know as as i was putting this together uh, the agency that had jake had sent out a, a statewide teletype through our you know our criminal justice network, uh, saying that they were looking to rehome this lab. And, and that was, that was really, a you know, a, a huge, uh, benefit and advantage to making that, that unit come back because I was able to present, you know, here we, we, we have a trained dog. Um, we're not, we're not going to have to invest a a huge amount of money into, uh, re you know, reinvigorating the unit or getting it started again. So I presented it, and lo and behold, they went with it. And you know, that's it's it's probably one of has well, hands down has been the best you know career decision that I've made. I could I couldn't imagine doing anything different.
1: Yeah, I we and we talk all the time, and both of us have turned down promotions within our department to keep our dogs absolutely because it's a you know it's like I told mine just here recently you know it's a part of life it's not it's not a job for me like when I go home you know I've got 12 other dogs that I'm taking care of and handling and traveling with and whatever it's not just it's not just on the job for me um but yeah so I met Robbie then and it ended up a couple years later that do you what year was that do you remember um it would have had to have been. The journey on Houndsman XP has teamed up with One TDC. this dual action support for oral health and mobility in our dogs. This unique supplement is so effective that it is recommended by top veterinarian experts worldwide to maintain and improve our dog's health in four different areas. Their oral health, hips, joints, and muscles, Skin, coat, energy, and recovery. Guys, I've been using this product for the last six months and it has been a game changer for me. If you're looking for something to help with the overall health of your dog, go to WorkSoWell.com and give this product a try. It is highly recommended by Houndsman XP here on The Journey. You like to be outside like I do? Hunting, fishing, hiking. If so, Onyx is the app for you. I've been a loyal Onyx user for years. It's the one app that I can honestly say I use daily. While hunting, I know where I'm at at all times. I mark trails, bedding areas, feeding areas, and the list goes on. In my travels, I use it to pre-scout all the new places that I am blessed to hunt. Last year, while hiking Yellowstone, I used Onyx to map out the trails and know the difficulty of each one. And here's a secret. I mark all of my favorite fishing spots on On Onyx. It's been a game changer for me at work. I've used it multiple times to get in touch with property owners. Onyx has so many great features and tools you can literally use it in your everyday life. It is by far the best mapping app on the market. And hey, It's approved by yours truly at Houndsman XP. So when you go to subscribe to OnX, use our code HXP20 and get you a discount. So get your journey started
0: with OnX and know where you stand. Maybe 2010, 2011 maybe? Really? Would it have been? Well, I think around that time. Are you talking about like when we first met? Yeah,
1: when you was in that, when you broke your thumb.
0: Yeah, it would have had to have been, pro- yeah, probably. So it was ten. Yeah, two thousand
1: ten. That's when I come to Christiansburg. Yep. And maybe that's how that happened. Maybe that's how I ended up coming down there with you guys. Yep. Um. Yeah. So two thousand ten. So, you know, five years had passed with me, and yeah, I ended up joining the New River Valley group instead of going to the state and training, but um kind of leads us down this path i mean we you know our had kind of crossed because the dogs before and then you know we ended up in the same training group and it was about 2013 so three years later you know our all, all of our older guys were retiring and getting out of dogs and you know they were taking you know cid positions or whatever and it kind of left us to man the ship <laughs> yeah (laughs) so a lot of trial by error and so on and so forth but i think that some things that are interesting to me is my you know my love for dogs and hunting drove my love for the canine and now if you gave me one option to do with my dog it would be tracking people and that's why we're in northern virginia this week teaching our tactical tracking class and you know, here you here we are, 13 years later, and you're running a hano, tracking
0: people. Yeah, it's and you know, it's there's no greater feeling than knowing that that you can track down the most sophisticated mammal on the planet, and that being humans. So you know, some somebody that can rationally think and decision make and it's hard enough as it is, you know, I didn't come from a hunting background as far as, as far as with dogs. Um, I've, of course, I've, I've been out, been out with you multiple times, but as part of my childhood and growing up or having experience with, with, with that side of the world, I, I really didn't have any. Um, so I can only imagine like, and I've I've picked that up even even from the podcast, you know, here and how much those worlds interconnect.
1: Yeah, dog training is dog training. And if I can learn something from the bird dog guys or the, the coyote dog guys or the retrieving world, like I can always incorporate it into something I'm doing. Um, and I feel like it has made me better because I have more of a – I'm open mind like I used to be pretty closed minded and sometimes I still am I catch myself saying no that's not the way I'm going to do it and then I take I have to take a step back the next day or talk to myself and say listen hey wait a second there's more more than one way to skin a cat Um, but I want to go back because I I remembered one of the hunts that you and I went on what do you remember what drove you to go with me that day we found the dead bear remember Mm mm-hmm and then we ended up triing or catching one on the ground. that was two hundred fifty pounds or so.
0: Yeah. Do you remember why you ended up going that day? I don't. I don't remember. I know we had we had had some conversations about you know how much our worlds kind of interconnect, and as not having seen that before, that was something that I really, I really wanted to experience. Um, and it's you know it's definitely something that has stuck with me. And just watching, you know, a dog do what its, you know, its natural instincts are, and how we can apply that to what we're doing. Um, you know, we're asking, we're asking our dogs to track something that's, you know, not natural to mm-hmm. them. So we're having to shape that behavior, but you know, instinctually it's there, and it also shows you know, how much better they would do if we weren't attached That's, to um, them in our world. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it. it's a, it's a huge difference.
1: Yeah. Um, and vaguely, like I said, there's so many hunts. But I remember that I kept on you about our dogs are not reaching their full potential. Our dogs are not reaching their full potential. This is what they can do. And then you had went with me that day. And I'm not sure if we had made a complete loop in there and was coming out when i was hunting jimmy and buster so that's been a long that's been a while back it's been 2012-ish 2013 maybe 2012 you know you know i was talking about you know let up letting them they was trailing and they ended up jumping and catching and um we were in a, a nasty steep 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 place when we come off the side of that mountain um but do you remember anything about that hunt or do you remember anything that stuck out to you
0: Um, I think to me was just, I mean, one of the things was just the endurance of the dog, um, their ability to, I mean, we're, you know, in our world, of course, you know, there's, there's times that we're doing, you know, several mile tracks, but, you know, to, to watch a dog that's literally, you know, going down into a holla and then, up onto the top of a ridge and down the other side and making a loop It just the uh, the simple endurance that they had to to keep going uh into and, and to and to catch the bear i mean that was really impressive
1: yeah and, and if i remember right buster ended up getting his ribs broke that day he did because <clears throat> when get when i got him up on the truck and i went to touch him he flinched on us and we ended up seeing where he had two ribs broke so he ended up being out the rest of the season that that year yeah. So. Yeah. I mean, like I said, we we've done a lot, and I, I've tried, I've tried numerous times to get my canine guys to go with me, um, and a lot of them, you know, they're not interested, don't want to do it, which is fine. But I think if they would see some of the performances that our our hounds are capable of, I think they would probably be in shock about the the. the the least amount of performance they're getting from their dogs. And I don't mean that in a bad way. I'm just saying that, you know, yes, we're tied to them. And we, um, who did we have a conversation with this today about, um, I think I was talking to Jimmy about just turn my dogs off lead.
0: Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: You know, they've, you know, I've been, I've been asked numerous times to take one of my hounds and make it into a tracking dog. You know, Robbie's running a Hano. Um, talked to a guy today from up here and he got a dog from Jeff Shetler and it's actually Hanno half plot, um, and I actually texted Jeff and was like, "Hey, what what is the bloodline on the plot side?" And he gave me the information and said, I, "You know, I'll get you in, in contact." Which <clears throat> I was more interested on in in what bloodline it was. Um, so Jeff was trying to breed out some of the skittiness from the Hanno. Um, he was trying to do that by implementing the plot. But keeping the size, the drive, and the nose and everything in it, <clears throat> and so I'm really interested to see her go tomorrow. Uh, Jeff, give me a little background on her, so I'm like I'm really excited to see her go and, and work with her. But yeah, they're, we're we're using kind of got in a rabbit hole there. We're using hounds, and everybody's asked me to use hounds, and if I ever did do that, I would run that hound off lead. And I would and I would set it up like, um, like our friend over in South Africa, um, Clinton Sellers. Like I would want that dog to bay the person, not get up on them and do that. I'd want the dog to to bay the person. And you know, we part of the class we talk about you know armed suspects and you know if they've got a pistol or rifle and the dog's baying them, you know what they're just going to take the dog out. So all that changes theoretically from the use of the hound but uh yeah it's kind of interesting but
0: but yeah and you know to kind of go back a little bit and talking about how you know like close-minded we get at times or or how we kind of get stuck in our ways like I remember uh when we met there were some of the things that and and we're talking about we're literally like a county apart at the Mm. time you're You're one county over from where I'm at, but in a different training circle. And I remember, I mean, I I vividly remember that day that you came by and, and seeing the different things you were doing. And, you know, to fast forward, you know, and, you know, I'm not trying to blow your head up here, but, I mean, I can honestly say that you come into our group and the changes that we've made uh, has really set us forward. Um, you know, your drive to reach out to different circles and go different places and, and travel like we have has really, really changed the game for us. Um, it's way too easy to get stuck in that, in that circle of what you know. And sometimes it's hard to step out of that comfort zone and go somewhere where things might be done different. Uh, but the takeaway from that is just the vast amount of knowledge that you get by going other places and seeing seeing other dogs. Um, you know, as far as having our guys out with, with you guys running the hounds, like, I think they would gain so much from that. I, I know it did for me um, that it would really kind of change their mindset on what they're capable of. Well, I mean
1: so glenn um one of the guys from blacksburg just put him through a school and when i did it was it was training season so every day that we were coming to to train like after i get done hunting i go do a training session with him i was showing him video he's like you catch a bear today and i'm like ah you know we run one or we did one We you know we caught one whatever he got any videos and i start showing him some videos of the dog rigging and he's like you know, that's amazing that you can be driving down the road at 25 miles an hour and the dogs open and go 400 yards and catch the track and then take it and go on with it. And, um, you know, it really, like, it kind of opened his eye. Like, he was he was amazed that the dogs have this capability. And then when we teach our tracking and we start talking about proximities and stuff like that, um, and Robbie and I had this conversation this morning that, you know, I'm I've got a litter of pups right now that are literally 12 weeks old, and I was showing him videos this morning that um, you know, these pups are are three or twelve weeks old and they're running three hour old tracks with their heads up. They're not sticking their nose on of course it's fall, the you know, the leaves hasn't the leaves haven't fall fell yet, so that that composition, the decomposure, the, all that stuff hasn't happened yet. But I mean, they're taking three hour old tracks. And pretty much put bobbing their heads and shortcutting it and cutting turns and you know slashing and like it's crazy to watch these twelve week old these three month old pups like do that. Um, and I know that we're going to start doing some things with our dogs differently because of what we learned from Clinton and Miguel. Especially with our tracking dogs, we're going to start doing some things off lead with them first and let them get good at what they do before we start adding the anchor, the problem right. to yeah. the the problem to the lead, right? Um, but, yeah, I mean, just picking up little things. And, you know, I catch myself. I mean, you've come up here and went through a training school. You know, you come back to our, our, our group. And, you know, I sit back and I scratch my head. And I'm like, like, what? why are we doing this? And then you and I had a conversation over lunch one day, you know, Heath, I'm, I'm teaching basic. And then I had to bring myself back down. Like, okay, I understand now. And some of the guys in our group had come to us and was like, Heath, you're telling us one way. Robbie's telling us another way. You know, we're confused. We don't know what to do. And, um, you know, we, we've got to be more, do more explaining and why we're doing what we're doing as far as our group goes. But, again it goes back to you took yourself out spent 12 weeks with guys that do things completely different than what we do brought it back and it's going to make us better like yeah there's and, some things you learned it's going to make us better
0: yeah and i i think it's hard it's hard for us a lot of times to go back to the foundation uh, but that's one of the things that i really picked up is that the stronger, no different than building a house, the stronger that foundation, the stronger the house. So the more you can build that foundational work in the beginning, um, the better off you are. And it, it, it means oftentimes that we even go back and, and revisit some of those fundamental things um, to, to just ensure that that foundation stays strong.
1: Well, and I know I was telling y'all about this today, you know, on the way up here on the trip up here, I got stuck in stinking traffic like 15 times, took me five hours to go to, but I was listening to Jerry Bradshaw, who we've had on here and Jerry was talking about your foundation should be so strong that when you mess something up, you go right back to it and pick up and it's never, it's never missed. And you know, you guys heard me say this on his podcast numerous times. Everything starts at the foundation. And if it's not solid, then nothing else that you do is going to matter. And we talked about this today, I think. Um, you know, fundamental training and you know, people shortcutting it and not, you know, they're not they're they're cutting corners and like I said, I've I've repeated this numerous times. You're we're not saying anything that you haven't heard me say before. But I would rather spend two weeks doing something and getting it solid and right than spend three days and then moving on. And you know, some dogs can do that; some dogs cannot. But I mean, like I said, everywhere we go, any training we do, the foundation work comes up.
0: Absolutely, and and that's the thing. Like you can, you can take some shortcuts. You can you know throw some window dressing on it. You can you can make it look pretty. But at, at some point it's gonna rear its head rear its head and you're gonna you're gonna pick up on those things that have, you know, kind of fallen by the wayside. And it's just I feel extremely important uh, to keep things simple. We're guilty of, of making, you know, some of our, our training problems too complex and breaking those things down you know into smaller digestible pieces and and really you know focusing a lot on those fundamental foundational uh steps
1: yeah um and in in every seminar we go to that is always a topic of conversation during the, the the training itself um and robbie and i have been literally all over the country together i mean what we've been pennsylvania florida uh
0: louisville nashville
1: Nashville. yeah yeah we was we was telling some other guys were with us down here um they're over there making fun of us right now just so y'all know they uh we we were we took a so robbie took took their pd van hopefully their pd
0: don't hear you still have that van no it's it's gone i i don't think it lasted much longer <laughs> after we got back so we'll tell you this we've got all kinds of stories
1: we could tell you um yeah we're so we're we take off robbie and him's van it's their pd
0: who it was like six of us what five of us yeah i think it was at least five of us
1: i know jared um, was with us me you
0: jenkins did larry waddell go he may have went with us that time i don't I think it would have stood out a little more more if Larry Larry was on that. Larry definitely wouldn't have been fine. Well, I know it
1: was me and you and Jarrett and Jenkins, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. So we we leave wherever they picked us up at, and we're going down the road, and we hit the county line, and I'm like, Jenkins, you better slow down. We're going to get it. You'll get a ticket.
0: He's like, nah, we'll be all right
1: and i'm literally we got the the county line is at the what 89 the 86, 86. yeah
0: it's uh yeah 86 87 seven somewhere in there is
1: the county line that's the mile marker we get between the 86 and 84 blue lights come on we're getting pulled over <laughs> and i said i told you anyway that's the county that i used to work in uh the deputy rolled up i'm telling him i'm like write him a ticket write him a ticket he looks in there and he's like, "Hey, where are y'all going?" And uh, we told him we was going to a canine seminar in Tennessee. And anyway, he, um, through the grace, his good grace, he let us go. So we get down there, and then you tell the other story. We go out for breakfast one morning.
0: Yeah. So we we run out. I can't remember where we were staying at, but you know the, the some of these places that we go to, the the hotels are. You know, definitely a lot nicer than I could ever afford to uh to, to get on my own without someone else paying for it. But that was the Gaylord Resort. I think it was yeah. Yeah. It was yeah.
1: a huge, huge. resort. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: Um so like like the cheapest breakfast on the menu was like twenty five or thirty dollars. <laughs> and you know, we're just we're just a bunch of broke cops and you know, so we've got a We've got to run out to the Mickey D's, so Heath and I had this, uh, I can't remember right off the top of my head who it was, I'm sure the events kind of overshadowed uh, who we were trying to get back to see, but we, we ducked out of the hotel to run and get some breakfast and get back before uh, the presentation started. So the parking lots were all gated, so they, you know, they had the gate where you swipe your card and and the gate comes up and you can go in and park well we we're running behind so i pull up and vehicle in front of us they swipe their card and uh, the gate comes up and i i look over at Heath and i, I was like i think we got it i think we can, I, I, I think i think we can get through here right behind them so uh, mind you, we're in like a 2001 Dodge Caravan that probably has 380 thousand miles on it, and and I step on that thing, and I, we might as well have been walking. And that gate <laughs> came down right across the hood and across it the windshield. Broke it. Yeah, it I mean, broke
1: the gate.
0: Gosh, I hope statute of limitations is is in is, Tennessee is over on that. Uh, But yeah, I mean, gosh, uh, there's, there's so many stories. Um, I mean, we won't even talk about what y'all
1: did to me in Florida. Yeah, we, (laughs) no, we will not talk about that one. Yeah,
0: Yeah, we probably better not go there.
1: (laughs) But no, we've been to, like I said, we drove all over the country. I mean, you were with me when I got Vice down in Florida.
0: In Florida, yeah, yeah. rode back in, rode back yeah. in a car with us.
1: Yeah, yep. he was literally. I got pictures of him laying here in your and Chad's lap. Yep. Yeah, little three month old shepherd. He didn't know what he was getting into. Not a clue. <laughs> Especially <laughs> when winter hit. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> yeah, coming from Holland to Florida to
0: there. Yeah.
1: But you know, he was our test dummy, really.
0: Yeah, really. I mean, we we did. A lot of of new things for the first time with him. Mm-hmm. Yep, thinking back to it. Yep. You know, from
1: food reward, we even mm-hmm. done, we even imprinted him using food.
0: Yep. First, yes, yep. first time doing that. Yeah.
1: So, and I mean Vice is eight now. That's crazy because that was yep. 2014. So he'll be nine in March, which is that's right, nine. He'll be nine in March. But yeah, we've done a lot of training all over the country, um, and I. You know, I know you guys are probably thinking this is more canine-related, but everything that I've learned from my travels, from my experiences, from my failures, especially my failures, I bring it back to and incorporate it into the hound world. Um, Like, my dogs, I mean, you know, we talk about compulsion, you know, forcing a dog to do do what you want him to do, you know, in my early career in the nineties, I I didn't know no better. I I didn't. That's what, that's what I was monkey see, monkey do. And that's what I did. And, you know, until I joined this group, you know, in 2010 and 11, that I, I started learning and opening those doors and making those contacts and traveling outside of, of what I was allowed to do, you know, previously. I mean, it's changed everything about, what I do, how I do it, and when I do it. Um, and, you know, like I said, we've made some really good contacts. We've made some really good friends who mento- still mentor us and still help us. You know, we sat down today and trying to hash out a problem that we're having, and I don't think either one of us have a an answer that we're comfortable with. And, you know, I think we kind of concluded that we need to get somebody that knows a little more than what we do.
0: Absolutely. And I think, I mean, that's, especially, I, I feel like, I don't know, it's probably the same in, in your realm as far as the hunting world too. It's, you know, it's hard for us sometimes to step back and say, you know, I I, I don't know how to fix this. And you, you have to reach outside and, and ask for help. And sometimes that's hard, but, you know, you're doing yourself and, and of course the dog and, You know, everybody involved a disservice by not taking that step. And, uh, you know, that's one thing I've definitely learned, you know, in the canine world is that we're we're fairly small. And for the most part, like, people are over the top um, helpful. And, you know, they want to help you. They want to see you succeed and problem solve. Uh, And I think that's something very unique to us.
1: Yeah, and I'm not sure the hound world's that way. I can't, I, you know, I kind of stay in my own little bubble um, with the group that I hunt with, and you know, I was at Autumn Oaks, but I'm not really out like training dog. Like it's a completely different environment. Like here, right? We're hands on. We're problem solving. We're training. We're we're trying to get dogs up to certification level or up to street level. Um, it's different than you know with the with the hound world. I'm basically it's just my dogs i'm dealing with my dogs and um i've said it on here chris and i've talked ab- about it several times you know me being able to see the hundreds of dogs that i've seen over my career which is not many compared to a lot of people um you know it's helped me with my hounds and you know when i see a problem or i see something come up uh I- i'm pretty pretty good about being able to to get on it pretty quick and then you know if I haven't dealt with it then I call one of my canine guys and discuss it with them like I'm not um I probably call my canine I would call you or or Jeff or whoever and talk try to talk through the problem more than I'll kind of with the hound guys I think so I don't I don't know how the hound guys you know I don't know what everybody else does um I know since this podcast has come out, I do get a lot of um, messages asking about certain things and, you know, I've got this issue or I've got that issue and I definitely lend my advice if they want it, but it's kind of like what we're, you know, today we're teaching, you know, it's, it's a way, it's not the way. with dog training, there's all, there's always probably
0: multiple ways to fix, correct or train. Uh, yeah absolutely. Do, well do you think that do you think that comes from you know the competitiveness involved in it or you know the the, the desire to not give away uh, techniques in a sense or is it more of a comfort zone thing like egos and and not wanting to not wanting to ask for help?
1: Well, I, I think it was, it's probably all of them. I mean, I don't competition hunt anymore, so I'm out of the comp world. You know, I know, you know, we've got Bryce and, you know, Josh and all those guys that do it. So maybe I have that conversation with, with Bryce when he comes down in December to hunt because it, it kind of makes me think. Um, I think some of it is selfishness that, you know, I want my dogs to be better than yours, but at the same time, like, I'm out to have a good... I, I, I want my dogs to operate efficiently. I want them to, to track, to trail, to to bay or tree. I'm not in a competition with anybody but myself. I want to be better than I was yesterday. I, and maybe the other guys feel different. Like, they, I don't want you catching bears, so I'm not going to tell you how I do it. Right, yeah. So, I mean, that's definitely... I would say some of that goes on. I, I, I would definitely say that and then that plays into the ego too because you know oh i caught you know i caught 60 bear this year how many did you catch well i caught 30 you know well my dogs are better than yours well no not really i was hunting where the population is down or you know i didn't get to hunt but 30 days because of work you know you there's a lot of things that go into play there so i think it could be any one of the any one of those
0: yeah i i mean that just, just what you just mentioned there, just reminded me of the conversation that we had earlier today. In that, um, you know, we asked in class today, you know, what the success rate, the acceptable national acceptance rate is for, you know, apprehensions uh, on tracks or, or or tracking a human uh, to a find. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. What what is the what is the acceptable uh, fine rate? And you know nationwide, it's like it's like three or five percent. But we we ask we get from these guys up here. You know they're saying their their success rate sixty. Uh, but you have to take into account the amount of technology and tools that that they have at their disposal that you know we don't have or or more rural areas don't don't have. And you know air assets and you know drones. You know we have the drones, but you know the quantity, the number of officers they can put on perimeter, so mm-hmm. like they have a lot of tools that we don't have. Um, so I can see that that tying in with that, yeah. That you know, you you, you know, success is what we're all after. And if you if you've got a technique or something that's that's helping you, I, I can see where it's it's something you don't want to you know kind of let out, but I feel like that. Definitely, by sharing and helping each other out, we definitely we make things better, um, and, and that's what it it's. We're always trying to get better, um, find out new techniques, easier ways to do it, and, and that sort of thing.
1: Well, it just that just brought up a you know a thing for me. Um, you know, in our lo- in our job, it's it could be life or death in the hound world. Absolutely, it's not and you know i hunt in a small group and i mean i train dogs for a living like i've either got a dog in my car at work or i've got one in my hand at home daily daily and some of the guys in my group don't even ask me what you know how to fix things or how to um what i what i think about an issue or what's going on like they they don't ask and i you know if they don't ask i don't really put it out there but i'd be more than welcome you know, to give them my opinion. And I have definitely got a lot of opinions. (laughs) I mean, you know, when you're hunting with a group of guys and, you know, six or eight dogs per guy, like, you know, I think um, maybe me and BB touched on it. I know TL uh, was on a podcast with, um, with Buddy and they talked about it. You know, knowing those dogs, knowing what they're doing, seeing what they're doing. And I know with technology, the Garmin's, have told on a lot of dogs what they're what they're doing what they're not doing that when you had the old beep beep collars they didn't but you know like I said you know I, I'm I want my group to succeed because I'm a part of it I want I want all of us to have a pack of hounds that can catch bear consistently um, because if they can do it you know it helps me out and not just being me doing it uh, even though I do like to get off by myself a lot which we hit on that several times but yeah, a lot of them don't. They don't even, you know. Like I said, I don't. They don't ask, so it never gets told.
0: Yeah, I mean, uh, to me, it seems like definitely that you're better off as a group. I mean, we train together as a group mm-hmm. in, in our world, so you kind of have that 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 group that that hunts with you that that you work with and run dogs with, and you know, I kind of think of it like, you know, even though I don't. I don't own, you know, hounds for for hunting and do those sorts of things. You know, I am an outdoorsman. I like to hunt and fish. And when you look at like the future of the future of the sport, and you know, trying to keep this alive and going, like, you know the. The, the better you are and the better you get and the more information that you're passing along to the next generation, you know, if you're not sharing that, you know, at, at some point it goes by the wayside. Um, you know, you can have, you can have these podcasts, you can have, you know, videos, but there's, there's nothing like that firsthand experience that you get actually doing it or being around somebody who, you know, has spent a lot of time around dogs, you know, and have lived it and can pass that on to you. It's funny. You you're talking about
1: a dying thing. Um, The guy that got the dog and I don't know his name and I don't want to give away where he works, but that's got the Hanno and the plot cross. Um, When he found out that I bear hunted, like his eyes lit up and he started talking, you know, you run hounds. And I'm like, yeah. And I started talking to him about the plot breed and, you know, what, what they did. And he, he was interested cause he wasn't, he, he knew a hound, but he wasn't sure. So I started talking to him about it and he's like, well, man, but you're, you're in a dying sport. Like this, this guy that don't know anything about bear hunting knows that our sport is dying. Um, you know, because of, of the, the animal, the people, the, the animal rights people. And, you know, he knew that, Virginia was in a big uh, thing right now with the right to retrieve. He knew that and he's a deer hunter. That's all he, you know that's all he does is deer hunts. but he knew a little bit about what's going on in our world. Um, and you know, Rob, you're right, like we've got to make educated arguments. we've got to be educated ourselves and be able to articulate what you and I do in our job on a daily basis. you know, why? It's important. Why it's a good thing for the environment and for the animal population, and you know why it is so proficient to use a hound. It's the most proficient way to hunt. Um, but when you said that that you know it's a dying art, art basically, and it is, it's an art. Uh, to being able to raise a pup and get him to to track, trail, tree, bay, what like we said before, and you know not everybody can do that. No. And, a, and a lot of your um guys get in the sport spend a couple of years with it and decide it's not for them so on and so forth we well, you know you've been in this you guys have been in this sport for a long time you've seen it guy will buy a brand new nice fancy dog box buy him two two or three four dogs and you know 5 years later he's not even in in the picture because he wasn't able to be successful or he didn't want to spend the time you know BB and I talk about this too he didn't want to spend the time training those dogs that you know, I talked about it in a podcast here recently, you know, I take my vacation to travel to North Carolina, down east, um, to New York, to, to wherever to hunt. So I spend, you know, three, four, four extra weeks a year traveling somewhere so I can, I can keep my dogs busy and work out kinks in them that I'm having at home. And that way, when season comes at home,
0: um, I'm not so far behind the ball, but when you said that, it just kind
1: of resonated with what me and him talked about today
0: yeah i mean like with us it's a it's a lifestyle and you talk about i mean time uh, you know i i can say well i mean it's the same in our world you have these guys that that come in and they get their dog and you know it, it doesn't take long to see those who were in it for the long haul or they're Wanting to live that lifestyle and spend the time and effort and sweat and tears and blood sometimes to make it happen. Yeah. Speaking of which, you remember the time we were at
1: Claytor Lake and we were doing bailouts? This was before Jeff came. No. Maybe it was. I don't remember the timeline. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. When you and I had the bright idea. So, guys, I will tell you this story because it's funny, too. I get bit again with my own dog. (laughs) Not once, but twice on mine and Robbie's bright ideas. So, we have um, bailout buttons. So, you can push a button. I carry a, um, a receiver with me, a transmitter with me, and it stays on my vest. I can push the button. The... The past, the back passenger side door will flop open and the dog can come get you and can come help you. So Robbie and I get the bright idea. We're going to get in a fight out here in the middle of this field. I'm going to hit my door pop and Odin, which was my second dog, my Mally, Odin's going to come and save the day. So I position the car so when I hit the button, he can come out the door. <clears throat> Robbie and I go out in the field. Robbie's got the bite suit on. And we start fighting. I pop the door. I don't remember if I told him to call his name, told him to buy. I don't remember what I did. But so about the time that he gets ready to launch, which means he's gonna he's gonna jump and hit the person in the shoulder blades or the chest. Robbie decides to flip me around. My back is towards the dog. He's in midair. He hits me square between the shoulder blades. I scream, no, <laughs> Odin, no. <laughs> he hits me. Well, he, he does not bite, but his canines literally, like it looked like a wily e. Coyote movie when he hits the wall and he, he streaks down the wall and falls. Well, Odin hit me right between the shoulder blades, two top canines, go right down my back tears my shirt leaves about seven inch marks down my back anyway i got a hand on the dog and we put him back in the car and robbie i was like well we need to you know we need to we got to change this so we go back out in this field as bright as we are and We decide that we're going to turn sideways this time. So he's got a choice. He can hit me or Robbie, which that sounds like a good idea, right? (laughs) So we start fighting again. I pop the door. Here comes Odin. Lo and behold, he grabs my arm instead of the decoy's arm. And after the second bite, um, Tuttle, hint, hint, wink, wink. (laughs) (laughs) After the second bite, I decided we need to call somebody And figure this out because this is not working. (laughs) The handler is getting bit every time,
0: and I don't like it. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) to be completely honest, you know, on that first one, like, you know, it it was totally reactionary. (laughs) Like, I saw saw him coming, and I just so happened that I kind of used you to to block what was coming. Uh, But, I I think what was hardest for you is the 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 questions that you had when you got home as to why your back back the way it did. I still have a scar <laughs> down my back. I've got
1: ruckuses. I've got four guys. Listen, I've got four perfect teeth marks in my right butt cheek. To this day, you it, I've got I've got scars. And then I've got scar down my back, a seven-inch scar down my back where my dog hit me. Um, Like, I've been bit more than I should be bit. <laughs> it wasn't my fault. Either one of them wasn't my fault. It was all you. It was every yeah, time I've been bit, I it's your fault. Common denominator here. Yeah. 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 Don't listen to Robbie. Yeah. That's, that's what... <laughs> yeah, <don't. laughs> well, this is before we got trained up a little bit. Yeah, so absolutely. we made a phone call. I made a phone call to Jeff Barrett and told him what was going on. He started laughing before I ever got it out of my mouth. He goes, you got bit, didn't you? I was like, yeah, I did. <laughs> I'm like, he what said, are y'all doing? He said, yeah, the dog don't care. Um, but we changed up our training tactics and switched that around and... I we have not had that problem. I haven't had that problem since. I don't even know if I did any more bailouts with him after that.
0: I don't. I don't remember. We we, we at least it. we at least. <laughs> I think we probably took a a break after that a hiatus before we got back, yeah. back into that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, there you go again. I mean, that's a prime example of us, you know, looking for help outside of our our circle. We had a problem and you know reached out and found a solution and and I mean fast forward to today and and here we are you know being asked to come up here and teach a class so I mean it's kind of full circle
1: yeah and I I told the class this morning you know there's nothing that we're teaching in that we didn't steal or learn from somebody else I mean it's not ours yeah we've made some mistakes and corrected some of our tactics because of the mistakes that were made but it's you know, it's stuff that we've learned from other people because they they were doing it long before we were. And I think with your hounds, you know, to roll this back over to the hound world, I mean, if you're willing to learn and to change or to to get help, there's somebody out there that'll help you. There's some old timer um, that's been around the block and done it, seen it, and is successful that'll definitely probably give you some advice you may not like it. Sometimes that pill's hard to swallow because I've been on both ends in the police world and the, the, the hound wor- world. I didn't like what they had to say, but you know, I've said it before. If I want to be truthful with myself on what my dogs are doing in either world, I've got, I've got to, I've got to be, I've got to be honest about what what's taking place. So.
0: <clears throat> and I feel like a lot of times that's because we're the problem. It's, yeah. it's something we're doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. So, Rob, before
1: we wrap this up, so out of your out of your canine experience, what are what are some of the, the more valuable lessons, or what are, what are some advice you would give people in any um, breed discipline?
0: Um, I think the number one takeaway for me, I think, is patience, <laughs> and I mean it's mm-hmm. it's so easy to say that but it's so hard to do. Um, you know, we want things to happen so fast. Um, you know, as as a country, you know, as people, like in today's time, like everything we expect to be instant. and and that's not how it works. And so so patience is probably my number one takeaway. And second to that would be, you know, open, open your mind. Um, there's so much out there. Uh, even, I mean, w- with this podcast, when I, when I, you know, learned that you were doing this and all, you know, I, right away, I was like, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna see what, I, what, what this is all about. And, you know, already from, from Jeremy, I've picked up on the Hanno and Ken on the Bavarian Hound and like, for me and the issues that I had and the behaviors that my dog has like to hear that from somebody else and kind of relate to, you know, some of the timidness and, and nature, you know, it was, it was reassuring. It was not like, you know, is it just my dog that Mm -hmm. has this problem? No, no, that's a, you know, that's a, that's a part of the breed. And so expanding your horizons, being patient and, you know, as is often said in our world, you know, repetition, repetition, repetition. It's sometimes it's boring, but you know, it, it takes a lot of reps to really instill that foundation. Yeah,
1: I I would say the one of the things and and that I've learned is patience. Like I'm not looking at the the small picture anymore. Um, you know, Wesley and I've had this conversation a couple of times. This training season, like I'm, I'm not expecting results this minute, this second. I want results at the end of season or whatever, and I don't get so excited when my dogs mess up. Um, and I, I know that if you look back, I mean, I remember a couple times you got on me for being a little too um, aggressive with my with Odin. Like I remember that, you know, point blank. Um, but that's something that I've learned over the years is to be patient, that my demeanor, my energy carries over into my dogs. <clears throat> and the Dutch guys kind of drove that home with Pino when when they were doing our seminar. Gosh, I even forgot about that one. I mean, yeah, that's another one. Yeah, I mean, yeah. we had the Dutch guys over. Um, and, you know, Henny kept saying, calm mind, calm body, calm mind, calm body. And what he was saying is, if I'm in, if I'm, if I'm calm in my my body, and I'm not being excited and jacked up, then Pino has a calm mind, and he operates ten times better with a calm mind. And I know we're talking about a, in the, the the police world now, but that has carried over into the hound world for me. Um, that I, I, mean, I just don't get, I don't, I don't get torqued up like I used to when my dogs make a mistake. Um, you know, I, I don't get so jacked up that I, I lose my, my thought process. Yeah, And so patience is a, I would say if that's the one thing that I've learned, that's the one thing that's helped me be better at what I do is patience. So, <clears throat> well, Robbie, I think we've kicked it over an hour. And, you know, I really didn't think about all this until kind of some time when we was talking just now during this podcast and, you know, kind of going back and reliving, you know, the The process that I've been through coming from another agency to here. But you've been a part of this journey with me. I mean, from really the get-go with all the travels we've done, all the training we've done and done the dogs that we've worked on, on the side, um, the schools that we've done together. Like, you know, when I put on these schools, Robbie's the right hand. man. Like he's there. If I'm not, he's picking up the slack when I can't. Um, so really it just kind of come all together while we've been sitting here talking that, you know, you've been a part of my journey in the canine since we started being more proficient and more, um, successful.
0: Absolutely. So,
1: so I appreciate, you know, you, you coming on and I, you know, I, maybe I haven't said it. I appreciate you coming to these trainings with me and doing what you're doing to better yourself so I can get better learning from you. Um, So, yeah, I mean, thank you for being a part of the journey with me.
0: Thank you for having me. Uh, I sincerely appreciate it, and uh, this has been a blast.
1: Yep, we're going to do it again. So you guys come back. We'll help you teach, train, and learn.